One more hour of your calls to go here. We've cleared the slate. We'll move Nick Underhill and Ollie Cosell to tomorrow or later in the week. Just your calls here talking about the no-call in NOLA. Kind of like the NOLA no-call better. One fewer word there. Whatever it is, the disaster that was that call and the fallout since. Here's a text from the 504. 2010, Beastquake. 2012, San Francisco meltdown. Last year, Minnesota miracle. This year, Calamity, what's next year's heartbreak? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, a lot of heartbreak here. Tim, you just told me in my ear it sounds like Chicago Cubs fans a little bit. Is that right? Uh, as being a Cubs fan, I know what heartbreak feels like the last couple of years before the World Series, so hopefully it's not a trend that continues and we don't have to wait 100 years. Well, we've got to wait you know, 365 more days here. We will see. Chris Miller in the newsroom, posted a story earlier today that uh, Nikel Roby Coleman, the cornerback who wasn't called for the pass interference or helmet-to-helmet hits, he obviously acknowledged after the game that he knew his hit on Lewis was illegal. He said that when he was asked by the media. We, we talked about that yesterday. Well, apparently in a Facebook post, he really starts talking some smack here. He says, quote, obviously I smacked his bleep. I done put that boy on a mother bleeping Waffle House frying pan. And starts gloating in that video uh, about the non-call. Whatever. Clown. He's a clown. So is anybody in Atlanta sports radio who is spending their entire shows gleefully gloating about the worst non-call in league history. If you think that's good for the game, Congratulations. And if you get uh, your, I guess, entire – what's the right way to put this so I don't get myself in trouble? If if your well-being and your happiness level is dictated by in Atlanta as a Falcons fan, whether the Saints win or lose, I think that's an indictment on your team there. See you next year, Atlanta. Uh, Tim? Yeah, the Falcons radio were saying today that – Sunday's loss are was their biggest win in Falcons history. I, I yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's the, the we were scoping out our partners over there in Atlanta, and yeah, they spent a whole show, entire three hours, gleefully gloating about um, just how insanely happy they were about the blown call. I will tell you this, and I was talking to Bobby about this. I really mean this. If this had happened to the Falcons, and I, I swear to you, this is true, hundred percent, this is true. I would have spent the last two days saying that was atrocious. The Falcons got robbed. This is not good for football. Maybe I have a little more integrity than people in Atlanta do or a little more professionalism. I'm not I, I'm not saying the fans fans can certainly do that, but if you're on if you're a professional on the radio here, like have just a little bit of objectivity. I don't know how you spend 3 hours talking about the worst moment maybe in NFL history and gleefully gloat about it. If you want to say you're happy the Saints aren't in the Super Bowl, that's one thing. But to be happy that that non-call wasn't made and this disaster happened, I don't know what you're talking about here. Speaking of clowns, yeah, Dukes and Bell and everybody else, a bunch of clowns over there in Atlanta. And I know we're in Atlanta right now. So if you're listening there, yeah, go ahead and call them tomorrow and give them the business. <laughs> hey, uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Chuck B. in Mid-City. What's up, Chuck? Hey, Seth. Good evening to you, man. Hey, good evening. Um, here's the thing, man. We, I understand their arrogance that they aren't going to do anything. He hasn't commented, and he probably won't. And whether 
you want to say that it's uh, collusion or conspiracy, what have you. My thought is this, and yes, we've had uh, you know bad calls made throughout the year and so forth. This is the biggest stage with all the world watching. If you don't know, you haven't done your homework. I'm talking about the NFL regarding where these officials are from. One of them being a former player of the Rams and the Falcons. No, nope, I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna stop you there, Chuck. I'm gonna stop you there because every time this happens, I'm gonna correct people. There was no former Rams player as an official in that game. Uh, there was not. That's you know, lack of a better okay. term, fake news that's been spread. There was no okay, former Rams you. player there. Okay, thank you so much. Well, the point is, if, if this was your all-star crew, then either this the fix is in or they're incompetent. Either way, it, the onus is on the NFL, and if they choose to continue to have no recourse for the teams and allow these to happen, then you'll come away with my sentiment, which is the integrity of the game is gone for me. Oh, uh, Chuck, and, and, Chuck, and, and, I, and so I agree. With, so that, that's that, the issue. So, Seth, so with that, to me, that's a bigger issue. It should be a bigger issue for the NFL than anything else because we all say, you know what, how can anybody trust the system or trust what we're – because it's not just the calls that are not made, but the fake right? the you just you just was talking about the 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 phantom mm-hmm. uh, right the, the, the fake phantom, news about the, the official phantom. right no no no, right. no the oh and the on the other side the other phantom Brady. phantom roughing the passer on Brady uh, roughing the passer on Brady yes yeah so if if you're allowing if you're allowing referees the autonomy to really control the game and there's no recourse for them then how can anybody ever trust the true outcome. Well, here's the thing, Chuck. I, I believe that there will be. I believe that there will be recourse here. I believe that those two men involved directly in that play will not have jobs as officials in the National Football League. I, they have fired people this year. They've set that precedent for much more minor violations than that. I think the precedent is there. I don't expect those two guys to be working a game anymore just about the the the, again the fake news about the rams official just just full disclosure here if you get caught up in this i'm not trying to bash anybody who is this is kind of a the world we live in now we got to be really careful and check our sources i for about five to ten minutes after the game on sunday i got caught up in of it because some verified people on twitter and even some people locally here in the media started tweeting out and saying there was a former Rams player, and I perpetuated that. I even texted Christian on the postgame show, so I had to apologize on my Twitter, and I took down the tweet. And it was just another lesson for me to say, okay, you know, you got to check your sources and be more careful there, and not everything you read online, even if it's from very well-respected journalists and, and verified people on Twitter or whatever, not always is it true. And it's not true that there was a former Rams player there. There are two officials in that game that officiated the game that are from the L.A. vicinity. Within an hour or so of L.A., there were four officials from the California, or, uh, state of California in that game. Back to Carl in Covington. Carl, welcome to the show. Hey. Hey, look, I'm, I've been an avid Saints fan since I was a kid. You know, I mean, we lost. It's a hard pill to swallow. They have calls made in every game, but, you know, those two guys, are, like you said, won't have a job, you know. Look, here's what I can say. Can the NFL publicly interrogate those guys on TV and say, like, what did you not see? No, they're not going to public. They're not going to publicly tar and feather those guys. I mean, I, I think I, I think that's across the line too. To be honest, yeah, but they they're done in the NFL. Everybody knows that. Yeah. So that was 
terrible. But, I mean, and, so. and just to give it a little perspective here, this would be like me just completely going off the rails and pulling a Stephen A. Smith times ten, and not knowing either, not knowing what I'm talking about or going on, you know, some profanity laced tirade here. I wouldn't have a job. Yeah, I blew the chance on the biggest platform that I had here. They blew the chance on the biggest platform that they had in that nfc championship game no i'm sorry you, you don't deserve to be back in that spot again at least not for a very long time until you prove you're capable they should not be back i don't believe at least this is the my optimistic side my glass half full side that i believe the nfl will do the right thing and make sure those guys do not have jobs in the nfl again i don't call for people's jobs unless it's it, it completely well deserved here and i i feel like that's Pretty well-deserved. Thanks for the call, Carl. We'll go to Jay in Luling. Welcome to the show, Jay. Hey, Seth. Well, I know these, you know, hear me out. I got three things to say real quick. All I right. know these lawsuits are, are bogus. Okay. But if it, if it brings Roger Goodell to make a comment, which he has to do before the Super Bowl, because media day is coming up, and, I mean, they're going to do interviews with the, with the commissioner. So this is going to be brought up by every new sportscaster in the world. You agree? I agree, yep. You know, he has to. He definitely has to. And my other thing is, with, with Atlanta, I mean, I know they're they glad we're not there, but I don't think these guys really realize they, they should be outraged also because it can happen to their team. I mean, if this can happen to our team, unless it was blatantly, you know, there was some malice and they really wanted to keep us out, if this can happen to us, it can happen to anybody. Yes. And I mean, they, 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 you know, <laughs> yes. I know they're glad the Saints are not going, but think about it. I'd be more embarrassed that the, the, you know, the Patriots are coming to my home after they beat me in the Super Bowl and embarrassed me after I was up ahead, you know, three and a half touchdowns and then went in a Super Bowl in their home. That's a little bit more embarrassing, I, I believe. No, That's Jay, I, so. look, I completely agree here. Again, there's a line here. If they want to say, well, they're happy they aren't, the Saints aren't there, I get a text here saying, look at what the Atlanta mayor said. No, I actually thought that that was okay. I thought the freak out here by Saints fans freaking out that the Atlanta mayor was saying, well, we don't really want the Saints here. I thought, well, come on here. This is that, That's pretty playful in the grand scheme of things. I didn't find that out of bounds at all. We would probably say something similar here, right? Latoya Cantrell, if the Super Bowl is here, might say maybe not those exact words, but something like, yeah, we prefer it not to be the Falcons coming here. But when you celebrate, again, the worst call in football history and think what happened is a good thing, you're just completely out of touch with reality. It's not a good thing. And to the previous caller who said that this has a chance to severely and critically damage the integrity and credibility of the league that's where i am on this i wrote about it right after the game i opened the show last night saying that in my mind and i understand the cte issue that's here they've had people paralyzed on the field before they had a long time ago in the early half first half of the 19th uh, 20th century a person die on the football field. Those are life and death things. It's a lot more severe, right, than any result of a game. But if you're talking about one singular moment that has a chance to damage the league unlike anything that has come before it, I think this is it. I still am unsure how the NFL recovers its credibility and NFL officials recover their credibility after this. That is a massive issue. We have been talking about officiating nearly every week, almost every show for the last two years, 
because it has been that bad. They've got to fix it. Like the first thing they need to do is get rid of Al Riveron, bring somebody to back in there and give more powers to the actual officials and guys who have actually worked games before and get the suits less involved. Tim says Ed Hockley. I like that. Hell, I would take Dean Blandino back at this point, and I'm somebody who ranted on him for years on this show. Um, I'd prefer somebody else, but Blandino, at least from all intents and purposes and every uh, all the officials who've worked have said they really like Blandino because they had their backs. It doesn't sound like the people in the league offices right now have the on-field officials' backs, which is just a whole other layer of this. Actually, I didn't know this going into the season, but Ed Hockley's son is actually a head official for the NFL. Yeah, he was in the Pac-12, and they made his NFL debut this year. Yes, indeed. We'll take a break. Back with more of your calls, 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. I'm Seth Dunlap. Tim Zimmer here as well. It's the last lap on WWL. Here's a text from the 985, Seth. Has the NFL made an official statement? If not, why do you think they have not done so? No, they have not. I do not understand why they have not done so. It boggles my mind. There's a couple of reports out there say that, uh, saying they're wrangling with the language. People disagreeing in the league offices exactly how any statement should be worded. Come on here. We're more than two days past this. It's just bizarre that nothing has been said. Those people make too much money. They have too much influence, too much power to just sit there on their hands while this car, this truck that is NFL officiating is on fire driving down the road behind them. Come on, Goodell. I'm losing, I, I don't know how much faith I had left in him and his job. I'm losing more and more of any of that little bit of faith I had left with every waning moment here. Let's go to Daniel and Harahan on the phone lines. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? I'm all right. Well, I'm pissed. Uh, I'm aggravated about the same thing. Uh, Goodell should be held responsible for this. You think Goodell should be? Uh, you think there was a top-down conspiracy here, Daniel? Yeah. I do. What yeah. makes you think that? Well, I mean, it was blatantly call. How's Goodell responsible, though? He probably told the refs to do it. I don't agree. I just, I, I, I completely don't agree here. I know some people want to say that. There, not a lot of people have any like or love for Roger Goodell down here. But if you think there's some, again, huge vast conspiracy inside the NFL involving hundreds or thousands of employees and you don't think in 2019 now that somebody would speak about that if they knew it was going on again that's not the reality we live in there's no top-down conspiracy here from Roger Goodell Roger Goodell is not sitting there saying okay we got to tell the officials to call it in Los Angeles's favor so the Saints don't make the Super Bowl that is not happening now I have said before and I maintain that the league makes decisions that favor their preferred markets, like the tuck rule, like changing the rule on low hits to the quarterback only after Tom Brady got injured, didn't care about it when Carson Palmer got injured. They make financial decisions and otherwise that benefit Dallas, L.A., New York. Certainly not 
places like Tennessee, Indianapolis, New Orleans. Yeah, that's it's been happening for a while. I, I completely believe that part. Let's go to Kevin in Metairie. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, I think the the number one reason they haven't made any kind of response is what can they say to that? I mean, and when you when you and it, a lot of it's been said about integrity and that they've lost it and and they have, and it it hurts. It hurts because uh, you know my dad took me to games. He had season tickets when I was a kid, and I've been a fan. I'm 47 years old, and so you know I've been a fan since I can remember. And uh, it hurts, you know. Uh, I, I don't, you know. You, you, you don't. It's like, you know how you're saying, you know, man, you, you won't believe this until you see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and uh, you know, I, I know people around the country, and I actually knew a couple of people that didn't see it, and I told them, please just Google it, watch it, and their responses back to me were just. <laughs> You know, you know unbelievable. You, yeah, you unbelievable. won't believe you won't believe you know, it till you see it. No, I, I, earlier you made a you made a comment about the Seahawks Dallas game earlier, mm-hmm. and it and it clicked with me. And, and I think the reason why it clicked is, you know, this is something I didn't want to believe for actually years now. I just I think I really just didn't want to believe it. And you know, but when you're a fan, a Saints fan like me and the rest of this city and region, you know, uh, you, you don't you don't want to believe this could happen. You know, but when it's so blatantly obvious, okay, when it is so blatantly obvious, you know, it is about you. You made it. Uh, I think uh, pretty yeah. much word for word, you said it's about the team the league wants to win. Well, I would say the, the decisions that they make, not officiating wise, but financially behind the league rule changes in the off season. Yeah, I think they bow to pressure from the cities and owners that they prefer. Thanks for the call, Kevin. Kevin, our last caller asks. What can Goodell or the league say in a statement? What possibly could they say? I would say just just tell the truth. And in fact, we got a texture that said the same thing. Just just tell the truth. That's all we're asking for here is an admittance on how badly things went wrong in that moment. That's what we want from the league. At least, I guess I'm not going to speak for you. That's what I want. So I understand that this is a game, this is football, but you know, after Katrina, didn't when things were go, going so terribly wrong here, didn't we want President Bush to just admit how badly FEMA handled this situation, how terribly things went wrong down here? Weren't we waiting for that acknowledgement from the White House? I think Bush was entirely responsible for that. Goodell's not responsible for that specific call, but he's the face of the league. He's the leader in charge of the National Football League, the NFL commissioner. We just expect more than silence from him. Again, that's one of the most unreal parts about this is he hasn't said diddly squat here more than two days later. Back to the phone lines, Eddie in Luling. You're on, Eddie. Hi, uh, Seth. Um, yeah, um, I wanted to bring this up. Um, let them go ahead and play the Super Bowl. And the week after, why don't uh, the New Orleans Saints and the city of New Orleans welcome another game at the Superdome? Invite the winner to play New Orleans. <laughs> you like what? that, huh? You like that. You could do this. You could hold it as a benefit. 
that would make money for like players that have been injured, uh, good benefits, um, uh, causes, things like that. I mean, the NFL can theoretically do this. Oh, I mean, it would be a glorified ex- ex- exhibition game. I don't know exactly the language in, in players' contracts. I think there probably is language in there that they can't participate in these games without express written consent of their franchises. It's a nice idea. I get it. Again, I, I'm not trying to poo-poo on any ideas here. One of the things I'm trying to say, I tell you here tonight, and it goes back to my opening commentary on you know the lawsuit and the proclamations and Article 17 and things that aren't just, just are not going to work. Again, not trying to rain on your parade here. It's not happening. It's a nice idea. It's not happening. Lawsuits. It's funny. It's billboard material. Well, there is actually some literal billboard material going up in Atlanta. Those lawsuits aren't going to work. I'm just telling you they're not going to work. City Proclamation, Article 17, not going to work. Hank on a cell phone. Welcome into the show. Uh, Good evening. Uh, First off, uh, I want to say... in total agreement with you, uh, I'm I'm mad, uh, get angrier. More I watch this, I don't see how this this Rams player knew that he he was beat. He had to make this play to save the touchdown. How could the referees? How could we not have at least three sets of eyes looking at that? situation knowing that that ball was in the air and where it was going yeah well there were at least three sets of eyes right there was at least the two the side judge um, you know the line judge there and i believe the back judge has also authority to make a call there hank yeah i don't care what their experience is i don't care what their record is this was either gross negligence or corruption at the worst time i mean but everyone knew this was going to be a close game, a very tight game. And and you can never dismiss the possibility of gambling and organized crime influencing a game. And the league has to take a hard-line approach on, you know, keeping a watch on this. How, why is it we have a situation where we don't have replay and we don't have a, a challenge flag in a playoff situation like this when it counts the most. Well, because the uh, the the owners, Hank, the owners, Hank, haven't approved that. The competition committee, which Sean Payton has been on, has recommended that. So has Bill Belichick. He's been on there. Actually, those are two of the voices that have recommended that for years. The owners have to approve it. They have not. That's why you don't have challenge flags able to be used to challenge pass interference calls. As far as, you know, organized crime, is this a conspiracy or is it just a gross negligence? I will say this, and I am firmly positive about this aspect of it. This is one of the NFL's worst nightmares to spend this week and probably most of the next week as well. The most of the country is going to be talking about that play and what I think is gross negligence. And I do firmly believe that the owners and the commissioner's office will investigate this to make sure nothing, you know, no funny business was going on there. Do I think we'll see the results of those investigations? No. Just for example, this is a complete hypothetical here. I don't think this happened. But let's say the two officials there were involved in, in some kind of conspiracy against the Saints on that play. Just just for a hypothetical. If the league does an investigation and finds out that that's true, the only thing that's going to happen is 
They're going to fire those guys, but they're going to be fired anyways, and we're never going to know that. They're never going to make that information public. It's a sad reality of the state of play here. Let's go to Johnny and Metairie. Welcome to the show, Johnny. Hello? Hey, Johnny. Yeah, how you doing? What's up? I'm I good. I have a question for you, man. Uh, do you remember this little thing uh, they had uh, in the NBA uh, with the, the referees? Was it, you know, conspiracy with the referees? Uh, um, there was one know, guy, Tim Donahue. Yes, of course. Yep. Right, right. Well, what, what's the difference? You can't. You, they're not going to hold. They're not going to hold these routes uh, accountable. Well, the difference and is we haven't found out that there there is anything. We can speculate, but you know, Donahue admitted it, and well, well he went to he went to prison be, for it. The fraud aspect, right. and, and 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 I be, and I believe the same thing's going to come about with this also. Okay, well, I mean, that's look. I know a lot of people believe that with you, Johnny. And if that is true, I have a feeling we're going to find out. There's going to be too much scrutiny on this. I just don't believe that's true. Here's the reason why. The Donahue situation, he was the lone wolf there, if you're talking about specifically that Lakers-Sacramento series that he was involved in, Lakers-Kings series in 2002. Kind of a lone wolf on that crew. He admitted it. The other two referees there um, weren't involved in this. He did in his book allege that there were more officials in the nba who were involved in something like this you had at least two sets of eyes probably three although the back judge there is kind of out of the i guess out of the picture in the one the shots that i've seen but possibly three sets of eyes all then on that play so here's how it's different you would have to have probably all three guys involved in some kind of conspiracy there and at least those two men it can't be some one-off lone wolf who's involved in you know some kind of shady gambling scheme here that's where it becomes a lot more improbable. Is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. Is it improbable? Yes. Will we find out? I don't know. Like I said, if the league finds out something like that's happening, they're going to bury it. They'll probably have those guys sign some kind of NDA, non-disclosure agreement, and they'll try to sweep that as far under the rug as possible. Maybe in, you know, in my optimistic view, we'll have some whistleblower here again in, in 2019 with the social media and how quickly things can spread that we'll find that out. I don't believe that happened, though. Again, possible, not likely. We'll take a break here. Back with more of your calls. Lots to talk about. So many angles and layers of this, and most of them aren't very pretty. Thanks for listening tonight. Really appreciate it. We'll be doing this really all week long, 8 to 11 here. I'm Seth Dunlap on The Last Lap. Great story in The Advocate New Orleans by Chad Calder on how the city of New Orleans is trying to get over the no-call in NOLA. Many different ideas here, lawsuits, petitions, boycotts, plans, all sorts of stuff, songs. Um, I even make a little special appearance in there by Chad. I'm going to tweet that out at Seth Dunlap. Be sure you check that out. It's really good. Great work by Chad and everybody over there in The Advocate. Back to your phone calls at 504-260-1870. Bill in St. Tammany, welcome to the show. All right, Seth, I want to talk about solutions and not, you know, go moaning about what just happened. I'd really like to see the refs held accountable in a way that they would have to just like you have three teams on the field, you've got the two competing teams and you have a team of referees. Why not have the head ref and a, a, a one of the officials that made a call in question to step up to the press after the game and face the, face the music? And I would like to see that go into the 
to the changes coming up. It, it's not going to change what happened, but I think it'll make them more accountable, and maybe they won't fall asleep on a play like they did in the last game. Yeah, that's a good idea, um, and there's many ideas here. They're, they're going to look at this and comb through it with, a, I guess, a fine-toothed comb. There's your first cliche of the night in the offseason. See what happens here. I do wonder, and this is just me being honest with you, I am hesitant to make all judgment calls, every flag reviewable. I think that might hurt the product and how watchable the, the NFL football is if we start doing that. Maybe you could convince me if you say, well, the coaches will still only have two challenges or a third if the first two are right. And you can use those on certain judgment calls. Like, are we really going to make holding calls or non-holding calls on the interior of the offensive line reviewable? Because what coaches are going to do is throw a flag every play. And by the letter of the law, you're going to be able to find guys holding on every play. That's something that I don't want to happen. So maybe they make pass interference calls or helmet-to-helmet hits and a certain select penalties or non-calls reviewable. But again, I'm, I'm on the fence even for that. Let's go to Ben in New Orleans. Welcome to the show, Ben. Hey, Seth. I'm trying to be quick, but I have some points. Okay. Okay. First of all, you're you're expecting a statement from Roger Goodell. The player hasn't even got fined for the the helmet to helmet hit. That doesn't take a press release. They re, they find people all the time every week, and there's been he hasn't even been fined yet. Well, correct me so, if I'm wrong, Ben. Don't those usually come out on Wednesday? So we might see no, that tomorrow. No. We, we should see it tomorrow because he's, he's bragging about a helmet-to-helmet hit on Facebook. So we better see it tomorrow. If we, if we, if we, if we don't see it tomorrow, we're probably not going to see it. The next thing is outside of, what, a week? We, you, when is the next time Roger Goodell will be in a position where he has to go in front of microphones? You're saying um, except next week? Uh, I believe the NFL the draft, draft and the owners' meetings. Right, yeah. Right. So we are on a limited time. The world will move on and this will be forgotten because let, let's, let's think about this. Oh, I don't know if it'll we be got, forgotten, Ben. I don't know if everybody, well, anybody's going to forget well, this. It might, it, well, listen, here, we, here we go. Okay. First of all, there's the hit. There's the, there's the play itself. Then there's the statement that the player made that he said, well, I thought the referees were going to throw the flag, mm-hmm. but then he told me low key that the ball was tipped. So hold on, like, wait a minute. So wait, where'd you hear this? Where'd you hear this? The player, the Rams player in the interview, he said the, the referee told me low key that the ball was tipped. I didn't so, hear that. I'll trust you though. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Look, 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 look up the interview. Right. Now, so you got that. Now we we're expecting the same commissioner that investigated uh, what, what was it uh, the video the videotapes the videotapes were no the video Spygate. Uh, was, was yeah, Spygate. Uh-huh. The videos were so damaging, he had to destroy them yeah. without releasing it. Oh, that was... Yeah, you get me started on that one. Yeah. He's also the guy with Bounty Gate. It was so damaging oh, no. that no one, could, no one could ever get any evidence, and Vilma and Will Smith had to go to court all year to clear their names. No, but Ben, so, I, I, look, I'm, I'm with you here. We're getting a little bit off the rails, but don't think for one second that I don't share your frustration about how Spygate was handled versus how... Bounty Gate was handled here. I Again, I opened my show yesterday saying that while I don't believe there's any, then there was any conspiracy by the league offices to tilt the officiating in that game 
towards the Rams, no top-down conspiracy. I have said for years that the league makes decisions to benefit their preferred franchises. And I'm talking about the decisions in the offseason, how they issue penalties, how they issue suspensions, uh, the rule changes that they make. That's uh, as obvious as the sun rising in the uh, east is to me. By the way, apparently that's not as obvious to Jared Goff. Jared Goff, remember, in Hard Knocks, thinking that the sun rose in the west. Let's go to Scott Alexander here. Scotty, what's going on, buddy? This is this is Scotty from the Ridge. <laughs> Scott, Scotty from, from work. The I'm Ridge. Yeah. Cut off work, man. <laughs> um, for real, this rugby thing's coming in three days. But I wanted to. I just heard the same conversations we were having on the with Bobby yeah. and uh, obviously Christian. I just, I kind of want to talk tells if we got a couple minutes. I mean, because. Freshen us up. No, no, no. But please, give us a little optimism here. Scott Alexander of Primetime Sports uh, joining us here. What's up, Scott? Listen, I am am the ultimate optimist. I know that. uh, And I haven't always been this way. But when I moved back after being gone for almost three decades, I'm a team fan again. Let me say one thing, though. Last year, I said we're going to go on a run when it was 2020. And then they end up going on a run. This year, here's the thing. They're 22-25. They've got... 12 games that they have to, I think eight, they need to go eight and four. And two of these next three, two of them are at home. Tomorrow night, Detroit, they're home. And then they get Saturday at home against San Antonio. It's a little earlier at five o'clock. But point being is that I think if they can go eight and four, it's very doable if you look at the schedule. Some of those are seven without of those AD? Are home games, five are road. I, listen, I predicted a big win without AD against Memphis. I think, I think they played pretty well. I'm not even joking, really, because. Because now you all of a sudden you let Randall be Randall, and then Nico's starting to come back into his own. You can you can handle it because that is a position you're fine at. Yeah, I know it's not as easy, but I think you know you, you don't win tomorrow night, and you go 22 and 26, and then you're having to go to OKC the next night. Well, it, it could start to be lights out at that point. Tomorrow is vital. I mean, vital. Yeah. You're two games Agreed. under 500. I'm, I'm counting on that OKC on the road as a loss. Okay, I'm just they can play with them, but I'm just going to count that one. But then you got San Antonio at home, vital that you win that. And then after that, you know, winning six of the next, uh, I guess that would be nine, is, is important. Well, I'll say, I'll say this, Scott. We were, we were talking about when you and I and Bobby were talking that, boy, we need the Pelicans to somehow uh, catch fire here and LSU to stay hot because we need some, some good sports vibes <laughs> coming well, here. And this? certainly yeah, LSU baseball, goal. too, is number one in the country. Nola Gold season opener on hey. Saturday. I'm, I'm a I'm a panda. And that's not what I called, <laughs> yeah. but since you said it, yeah, uh, I'm vested now. I'm not only calling the games, I'm the COO, and I'm working like you see it. I got to work today at 7:30, and it's 10, 11 at night. I just left. Hey, um, no rest for the weary, we're doing my some friend. Good things, man. We're doing some good things. So it's going to be two o'clock, and I listen. This is a major league team. I just want the city of New Orleans to support. I mean, that's all. Let's go to the first game and try to enjoy it. It's at Shaw, and I know. Most of the East Bank is already clicking off the radio when I say that. But it's a pretty darn cool environment. And, you know, and we're making strides to get into the big stadium next year, obviously uh, right next to the Saints facility where the baby cakes will have used to have played when they finish. But this year, let's just build up for next year. It's going to be a show. We're trying to get 3,000 people in there. And uh, it's going to be a nice event. It's opening day. It's going to be great. There you go. I will be there. I'll be there in the uh, in the crowd. I'm planning on it anyways, Scotty. Scott, uh, we're up against the clock. Hard break here. Really appreciate it, buddy. All right? 
All right, take care, man. Right, Scotty Alexander, Primetime Sports on CST and WLAE TV. Back, your calls, wrapping up the show next. One last call here, Jason in New Orleans. you got about 30 seconds, Jason. Go ahead. Hey, Seth. All right. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, just, just throw this out there. Back to the future in a, in a, in a real sense. Like, yeah, they, they messed up the call. But it's, it not only has it affected us, it's going to affect future. And it's, it's, it's horrible. And, and not, not money, people's lives, it's changed a lot. And, and they can't take that back just by firing those guys. Yep, I agree. Uh, thanks for the call, Jason. And actually, that's what I wrote today in my commentary you can find online at WWL.com. Anybody who did not get on tonight, or heck, if you just want to call back and talk again tomorrow, we'll do it again, 8 to 11 p.m. Your calls all show along here on the last lap thanks to tim zimmer our producer tom manessis our assistant program director diane newman our program director i'm seth dunlap again find all of our commentary on this online wwl.com radio.com app and the podcast of the show is available on demand on apple podcasts the radio.com app and wwl.com i'm handed it off to beyond reality radio and as always here's our moment is in michael thomas after the game talking about the no call